Welcome to the fourth episode in the Photology Addiction Recovery and Beyond series. So this week's guest is Jamie from Problem Gambling NI. Um, again, this is taken from my IGTV series. But this time we actually dive into gambling addiction. So again, this is something that I went through personally, along with everything else I seem to have gone through. Um, and for me, I think gambling actually was the most destructive it's the one thing that could actually destroy you within a couple of hours. It's the longest lasting effects afterwards as well, um, because your credit rating, especially in the UK, is massively affected if you default on payments. There's various stages of default that you can go through. Um, I think me and Jamie are going to have another podcast where we actually talk about more of the after you've admitted you've got a problem and you go to the Gamblers Anonymous because the podcast runs for the full hour the, the IGTV actually cuts off after an hour so it does stop a bit abruptly but we get into some really deep um, discussions around suicide again and how gambling for Jamie especially just took over his life from a young age. Now, I think in lad culture as well, that gambling's normalized. So we talk a bit around that as well. Um, and yeah, so again, if there's anything that comes up for you or you need to reach out and get any help, please get in contact and enjoy the podcast. Hey, how you doing? You all right? Hi, man. How are things? Yeah, good, thank you. How's, uh, how's life in Northern Ireland at the moment? Yeah, it was nice. It was nice today. Weather was good. Um, it's a bit dull and grey out there at the minute. It looks like the um, forecast of thunderstorms might be might be coming. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, it's been about thirty degrees here today, so I'm sweating like a pig at the moment. And my hair, because of the, because of the <laughs> lockdown here, I haven't been quite as brave as you, so it's just turned into a massive mop at home. <laughs> you, you, you definitely need a barber's open, mate. Oh, mate. I'm, camping out, I'm camping out there the night before on the first. <laughs> Uh, me, thanks for coming on. Um, gambling addiction is a big thing for me personally. So that's why I was when I saw your account, I hadn't actually found any other people yet that had gone through the whole Gambling Anonymous and can relate to some of the things that I've gone through. But mm. it's going to be really good to get your viewpoint on Gamblers Anonymous, your mm. own story, and then I guess I will just chip in as and when I can in terms of my own experience as well. Just to give anyone that listens to this something to relate to, um, because it's a bigger problem than most people will Definitely, probably yeah. admit to. So, yeah, just hand it over to you and just start from the beginning, work your way through, and I'll, I'll start chipping mm. where, where I can. No, no worries. Now, firstly, just thanks for having me on, because as you say, it's, it's one of them things with, um, with gambling, you know, one of the addictions that uh, maybe isn't as as as, as normalised or socialised in a, a society that is actually identified as a major issue, and I think um, you know I'm living proof that there there obviously is an issue, and, and there's loads of other people out there who just can't reach out or, or won't reach out. So hopefully by by doing this, having me on, we can hopefully connect with somebody and um, try and spread awareness a little. But I suppose just in terms of my personal story, um, obviously 23 at the minute. Um, I'll be 24 next week, but 23 at the minute, so. Some people think maybe relatively young when it comes to having the, yeah, having the major issues that I've had. I definitely like older than 23. Like, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, 23, be 24 next week. But my gambling started for me, you know, like way back in my early teenage years. Not in terms of placing a bet, but actually like coming in contact with gambling and coming in contact with, um, I suppose, having them first sort of thoughts. You know, my ambition is maybe even when I approached 15, 16 was to get to a stage where I was big enough or, or had a bit of a, a stubble that I could go into the, to the bookies on the high street and not get ID'd um, and place a bet, really. So that was from early, sort of 11, um, 12, having them sort of thoughts. Um, grew up to, you know, I had a really, really good home. I had um, a supportive wider family, family, everything was, was good for me. I had you know, lots of friends, um, went to good school. So it's it's not as if I've came away from um, a bad family or a bad, you know, early life that's, that was traumatizing or anything, because I didn't, you know, um, pretty uneventful, but um, there was certainly nothing that was that was challenging. So I suppose from, from sort of 14, 15 onwards, I've always been involved in sports since I was no age, since I could walk, always, always played football and um, 
I always had an interest in football really from no age and um, from about 12 or 13 I was coming in contact with a sort of older audience so I suppose for me then I was seeing you know that older that older audience um, you know within a within a football team even I was I was in changing rooms when I was 12 or 13 and probably then places aren't um, places that a 12 or 13 year old should be and, and hear the conversations maybe that I heard at that time um, you know, and, and from there on in, I just had this fascination with, with gambling. You know, all, all the men coming in after the match, checking their bet slips, seeing what the scores were. And, you know, just I would have went around and picked up all the old betting slips and read them. And I suppose for me then, it was just like, once I'm old enough to do this, this is 100% what I'm doing. Um, and I, I just thought that it was it was easy. I just thought, how can people actually lose money at this? It's it's something so, so easy. Um I suppose then as the years went on, as I got to sort of fifteen, sixteen, I was I was started working. Um I've always been quite you know, quite interested in like money and was quite good at sales, you know, even going through like school, being able to speak in front of people was never an issue. So I jumped into a sales job at sixteen, sort of part time selling chocolate at the weekends, um, at shows and different things. So I was earning like decent part time money, if you know what I mean. Um and all I was really doing from fifteen was like saving that money so that during the week after school, um, I could go into the I could go into the bookies, and you know I remember numerous times, <clears throat> like leaving school was like a, a mile. The college I went to is like a, a mile into town, and I would have left there and sprinted in to to get into the bookies before anybody else from the school was coming in behind, so I could be like the first in, take my tie off, you know, go in old enough. I was six foot when I was fourteen, fifteen, so I was tall enough, never ID'd, and I would have placed that that bet. Um, my first bet was a was a was a two pound football bet because football was the general interest, I suppose, and I just thought I suppose I thought I knew what I was I was doing and it said before it was easy to make money. So um and the first bet, like many addicts, you know, you talk about the first high or the first junk or whatever it is, you know, it's 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 always like that, that best feeling. And I, I won my first bet, which ultimately, you know, was the worst thing could have ever happened. Um I won by forty or fifty quid. Um and it was on a Saturday. And I suppose for the first couple of weeks, I was only at, at 15, 16, I was only gambling like every Saturday, just waiting on the football, really, just down, done a bet in the morning, you know, went and played with my mates or went and watched a, um, a match in town and then um, been checking the scores or whatever. And it started off for, for the first six or seven weeks, it was just every Saturday. And that was like satisfying. It was like, oh, you're working, you can get a bet that's giving me a bit of an interest. And then sort of slowly over time, it became it became like Saturday, Tuesday with like the Champions League football on and, and different things, European matches. Um, then it became Saturday, Tuesday, Wednesday nights, um, getting a bet on. Then it suddenly became Saturday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night and then transpired into being Mondays, Fridays. It's funny how the similarities because my gambling addiction came after my drug addiction. But the pattern of behaviour is very similar because I thought Saturday and then it would be twice a week and then three times a yeah. week and then before you know it it's every day isn't it? it was just and it was as you said it was something that I didn't even you know I didn't I just thought it was normal because I, I grew up around people who'd done it every day or, or every weekend and you know I, I grew up just it was normalized and you only have to go and turn on the tv now to look at you know the match that's on tonight on tv if you if you watch it you'll have gambling ads before it during it after it on the advertising boards around the pitches, on the players' shirts, more than likely, you know, it's so heavily, it was so heavily out there. Um, you know, I'm probably part of that social media generation as well. Like social media really broke through when I was like 14, 15 as well. So it was like, you know, being introduced to a whole new world and, and advertising obviously hitting really, really hard there as well. But yeah, it just slowly, it slowly crept in. It was every day. I would have got out of school, two pound, three pound bet. You know, it started off then. It was all, it was all football um, at 16. It was teams in any part of the world that there was a whistle and a, and a ball. I would have had a bet on it, um, and I'd have went home, sat on my bed, got a load of you know crisps and and, and sweets, and and it was like a it was like a like a treat, you know, just sit there with all your bet slips let out, watch the watch the match if you could, if it was live, if not, sit on social media, try and get updates from somewhere or or live stream from somewhere illegal off the internet. <laughs> How long would that sort of take? You sit down to do those bets, but would then that just sort of drag on through loads of other bets that you do at the same time? Yeah, so like you're obviously doing that, and then 
like within you know you it was like one bet a week only lasted for so long and then I had to be betting every day and then betting every day on the one thing just wasn't doing it because then I was probably bridging into 17 18 sitting in the bookies looked up at the screen realized there's a horse race on you can get a horse result a lot quicker than you can get 90 minutes of football played so right let's bet on that you get an instant result it was never really about the you know, people some gambling addicts can relate to the um like the, the they love watching the match, they love watching the horse go over the fences, they love like the dog coming out of the traps. For me, I hated that bit. I just wanted the result. I wanted money on and result. Um, so you can see, like the in terms of speed, football was ninety minutes. A horse race was like two or three. It was done. It was a quick fix. Um, then within three four months, it was like right. I'm now becoming so much horse racing, so much football. Uh, right, well, the dogs was quicker, so let's get on the dogs. And, and that's how it transpired when I was 17. And obviously, at this time, I couldn't get account, an account online. Um, so I had, to, I had to be going into the boogies and, and placing bets. But looking back now, I can honestly say that even in the background at that age, at like 16, 17, basically dropping out of school, um, you know, up until I started gambling, I wanted to go to university, wanted to sort of do well in school and that just all um, really faded away because I was just more interested in gambling. Um, at 17 I went to a college a bit further away from home to do um, A-levels but it was like you had free periods and you weren't compulsory to stay in school, you could go out at lunchtime and, and I used to just get the bus in then instead of going to class at half nine I would go up wait for the bookies to open at 11, go in there and sit from 11 right through to five or six o'clock get the bus home and to everyone else and family, I was going to school and was doing really well at school because I was staying on after school, you know. So at 17, it was like, yeah, Dewey's doing really well, but I was then a functioning addict. Yeah, so I was a functioning addict from I was from I was certainly from 17 onwards when I went there and was doing that. Looking back, that's just it's not normal. It's crazy behaviour, but yeah, that's the way it was. And and I was obviously working in at the weekends, um, and I was selling and like. Uh, anyone who is who is an addict and who is in a, a sales job, you know, if you look at the actual facts and figures, they're normally very, very good at what they do because they need that money to feed that addiction and they'll they'll do anything to get it. So they'll work so damn hard to to get you know, to get that amount of money to go and do that. So I would have sold way more than anyone else at, at that age, um, even in the wee job that I was doing and getting a bit of money. Um, and again, though that only lasted for so long, because at the time the stakes I was gambling at, yeah, I was at dogs and horses and and different things. The, the stakes were relatively low. Um, so once I turned eighteen, dropped out of school, went and got a full time job. Um, thankfully, fell into a really really good sales job, nine to five business hours. You know, working with businesses, making a real wage. And um, my first year at, at eighteen, I made something like forty two grand that year. Um, working as an 18 year old there's probably not many that can do that but that money was only ever going to go one place and that was that was just gambling um, like to my family and, and friends I was on minimum wage that's what they thought so the rest of the money to me I was telling that lie about minimum wage in order to free up um, more money to be able to gamble so the stakes then just went through the roof you know they went from some people say about a gradual build up £2, £3, £5, £10 I literally went from £5 to like 500 <laughs> Um, on bat. So, so were you just doing straight wins or something? Just give us an example of the type of bet that you would have. Probably, probably at, at 18, 19, the sort of bet that I would have been doing. If I was in the boogies, obviously bear in mind at 18 I could set up my own account, but if I was in the boogies, I would have went in, maybe done, I could have went in with £1,000 in cash and done a £250 on a, on a trap, on a dog, £250 on a horse race that was going at the same time, stuck hundred pound in a in a in a FOBTES machine to play the roulette and there's five hundred and fifty pound and then it was just a hundred pound spin was done in twenty seconds so there's that instant result. You knew whether you're up or down and then you were just sort of the horse race and the dog race. So I, I liked the way it was all in sync. They weren't all gonna finish at the same time but they would finish within a period of time. There was no waiting in between. Um and then obviously whatever money I had left over was just always on the football that night or that day or it was never really in play bets or anything like that. It just never really, it never really suited me. Um, anything in play never interested me. I think it. I actually, I believe it was stupid to bet in play, um, and that's mad coming from a from an addict. But that's just the way that the way that I thought. So did did you um, when you do the bets? Because I know from my own experience, when you win, 
Did you ever leave the bookies with winnings, or did you just keep no. betting until? You- well, I would have. I would have. What would have happened was that I maybe left the the the, the, the bookies at the actual shop which I'd been working in. I was working in Belfast in the city centre, so yeah, I had, I had loads of bookies that I went to at lunchtime and after work. But I might, have, I might have got the train home and had winnings. But as soon as I got home, I was logging on to my online account. So then I was logging into it with like this false money. And I was like, right, I'm up six or seven hundred pounds. This isn't my money, so let's get rid of it. That, that, that was just my thought. You know, I never, I never, I never, certainly from 18 onwards, I never placed a bet, won anything and actually thought, Wow, I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z with it. My first instinct was, it's not my money. Just let's let's get rid of it. And that's a you know a crazy thought to have. That's it's a good one for people to realise because I think from my personal experience as well, you you just end up betting, but you have no concept that you want to win. Like the winnings, yeah. you'll just keep going, and it just keeps filling a void until like, the, you the have thrill, no money. Yeah, the thrill for me was just was just the amount that I was able to place. It was almost like a, a like sort of like an ego thing, you know, that I could say I placed a two grand, three grand, four grand bet, whatever it may be. Um the winnings then were just a were just a consequence of that. They never they never meant anything. Um I had some big wins, you know what I mean? It wasn't as if I I went through and, 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 and didn't get any. I had some pretty good winnings. Do you know I at one time, I think I won ten and a half, eleven grand on a football bet on a Saturday off, uh, like twenty quid. But and I left it all in cash on the Saturday night, and by the Tuesday it was gone. But it was gone because I wanted it gone. I had no place to hide it. You know, I shouldn't have had this money in the first place. I couldn't tell family and friends that I had this money because, you know, they, yeah, you know, like at seventeen, eighteen, people had an, a little bit of an inkling that I was probably in the bookie too much, and I had sort of said to people close family members to probably make them feel a wee bit better that oh yeah I'm spending too much time you know what I'll knock it on the head so people almost had like uh, they were almost looking out for me gambling so that was probably the other part of it where it had to become really really secret um, and then that's when the lies and the secrecy really kicked in but you know, my heavy, my really heavy gambling was from about 18 to 21 20, from really 18 to 21, uh, you know, if you look at them sort of three full years, two and a half, three years, um, in terms of the amount of money I lost, yeah, it's, it's six figures, it's over 100k, racked up 30 grand in payday loan debts, um, really, really easily. Just, just as an example, because how, how easy, just go through an example of how easy it was for you to get those payday loans. Because oh, I know they're not, they're not an issue as much these days, are they? Because I think Wonga went down the pan and they put a bit stricter guidance on it. But. It was it was easier it was easier for me to it was probably quicker for me to get a, a payday loan than what it was to actually go to the cash machine had I had cash in my account and take it out. You know, I from working and from eighteen and, and earning the wage that I was earning, had a good credit rating, you know, lenders would trust me and um I was log I could log into like one one eight money, take out a a four grand loan, not obviously not looking at what I was paying back, um, and have it in my account within half an hour, you know, and then that, that yeah. money was that money was gone then again within an hour's time because I just I just took it out of my bank account and put it into my online account. Um, I went through a period at nineteen for about six months where I wouldn't let any money sit in my bank account. So as soon as even my wages came in from work, I transferred them into my betting account, simply because I, I had this like I suppose this is where maybe the anxiety was starting to kick in, where like this paranoia about someone was going to come and take money out of my account, so I just so got it and transferred is, it straight in. Is, is actually called protection of supply. So it's the same for drug addicts, same for gambling addicts. It's the fear of someone taking that away from you because you're not the first person I've spoken to that's emptied their bank account because they were worried that their gambling was going to uh, yeah. get someone involved who would take the cash out of the bank. Yeah, that, that's that's what it got to, and 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 that was happening just month on month, and and I was earning I was earning big bonuses. I was earning maybe five or six grand a month at one time, and it was just the quicker I could get it in and get it into my betting account. And there was times then I was losing that within an hour of being paid. You know, uh, the the probably the worst it got to was even online. I was doing roulette spin at one time at about a five and a half grand roulette spin. You know, that was only maybe across 10 numbers. And I was just, all I was thinking about is if I can land on this, one of these 10 numbers, I'm, I've had lucky. Um, and that's me done. I used to always think if I got a big win, it would be done. 
every time you get a big win, you just chase the next hit. You just chase the next big bet. And the bigger the bigger I won, the more I wanted the the more I wanted the stake to win bigger, to tell people I'd won bigger. But in reality, in the background, I just I didn't want to have the money. I just wanted to get rid of it. You know, money money got to the point where it had no it had no meaning for no me. Value. It didn't have any yeah. value. You know, you could have given me and it's maybe easy to say, but you could give me a million quid. And I, I honestly, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have fazed me. I would have probably transferred it into a betting account and thought I could I could make money. I always thought any money I had, I could always make it. You know, if I seen a pound in the street, I would lift it and think. I can turn that into two quid or, you know, if I got paid six grand, I can turn that into 12 grand. You know, that's, it was just the mentality I had. And, um, as I said, I did have some good wins. I got their time at 19, just before Cheltenham, um, the races was in February time. And it got me about a bet 365 account up to over having 40 K in it. Um, and I had a, I, that basically been able to have 40 K in my account, place all my Cheltenham bets, for all my horses that I wanted to pick, which which equated to about twelve and a half grand in the actual bets, and still have forty k sitting in my account. And I was getting the train home, and I was thinking, I could take this forty k out, I could walk where I live to a mortgage broker, and buy a house. Just I could, I knew I could do it. And I just thought, you know what? I'll go home night tonight, and if I can make another twenty k tonight, I'll go and buy two houses tomorrow, slightly cheaper. And, by the and that's exactly the same thought process as I kept going through. When you when you suddenly get that money, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. You start convincing yourself to get more, but then some it works the other way. You then end up losing that money, yeah. and then you feel you have yeah. to chase to get it back up again. Yeah, um, that's what happened. That's I, I went from, yeah, I went from having like, like that amount of money. You talk about having forty k, thinking like crazy, going home thinking I can make twenty grand tonight. Do you know, if you told me now tonight, you you have to go and make twenty k in a matter of hours. It's just ridiculous, but that's the way I thought. Um, and then within the next morning, I think it was fifteen twenty grand down on that forty, and that just made me gamble harder that day, gamble more to try and get it back up. Um, and even the closer you get, and, and do you know what? If I had made twenty k that night, I'd realistically sat the next morning and went right. I've got sixty grand on this account, but I'm gonna try and turn it into hundred. Or whatever it may be, I just that was that. I think that's the way addicts work. You always want more. You always chasing it. Um, and like to be honest, you know, at the start, I loved gambling. Like I loved placing that bet and watching it come through. But as the stakes got higher, as I said, yeah, I can never watch a, a match or watch a horse race or watch a dog race. So, you know, the thrill for me was like the secrecy of it, the fact that I had to do it, that people were watching me, that I had to avoid them, whether that be online, um, using different browsers or whatever, or um, in work, anything, you know, having to nip in at lunchtime and do a bet, but my workmates would have knew, you know, just that secrecy, I absolutely loved it. And in all honesty, I love getting myself into a hole. I love getting myself into a position where financially I couldn't make ends meet that month. Um, I moved in with my girlfriend when I was sort of 19, 20, I think it was maybe 20, 21, sorry. And, you know, we were, you were paying bills at that time. You know, before that, I had just, it was disposable income. Where now I had to pay bills, almost had a responsibility. But I loved blowing all that money before the bills came out and then having like 100 quid, having to pay £800 in bills and throwing to myself, right, you have to make £700 in two weeks. And then that became, my addiction then became making £700 in two weeks to make ends meet. And sometimes I was able to do it. And then the times that I wasn't, it was, well, I can just get a payday loan. Do you know, I can just, you know, I never borrow cash off people because I think that would erase suspicion too easy so I was always suppose got just able to get loans you know I mounted I think I said yeah 30-40k like in payday loan debts but that was that was like 30 different providers I went to um, over it's, it's, it's strange listening to that because the way you explain it it sounds like in your own head that was normal oh yeah it was completely I mean, normal to, yeah, to yeah. make up 700 pounds to pay bills through gambling to anyone else that hasn't been through similar issues would just think that's crazy. And that's exactly what addiction does to your mind. And when people don't get addiction, they just don't get it because that seems so far removed from yeah. what their normal day-to-day -day being would be. <laughs> and I, th I think as well, you know, when you talk about the thoughts that you have, uh, some of the things I've done when I was gambling, if you, when, I, when I tell people about them who don't have any sort of links to any sort of addiction, they look at me as if I've got three heads and you're thinking are you wise but as you said it's, it's, it's a situation like I would have said at night you know almost even if I knew I had enough money in my account 
to pay the bills. So the bills would have been paid. I had no other money, but the bills were paid. That was like the most important thing. The bills could be paid. I would have took that £800 out and put it into a betting account. So the bills couldn't be paid and then wanted to lose that 800 to break it right down to try and build it back up again to say, it was almost like satisfying the ego again, you know, just to be able to say, oh yeah, I made that money. Like almost patting yourself on the back and saying, yeah, well done. We're... In reality, it's just completely nuts. You know, it's it's it shouldn't be shouldn't be something that we do, but but we do. Yeah. So just in terms of um, going into the actual on the online gambling, did you used to do any of the sort of roulette and spin machines online? Yeah, yeah. So you know the the fixed odd betting terminals and the, and the bookmakers they got me hooked. You know, I was doing hundred pound spins, but then I was able to at eighteen able to log in online and see that you can do more than a hundred pound on a roulette spin yeah. so that was like why, why am i doing it in the bookies then you know i was only doing it in the bookies because i was standing there and maybe again feeding the eagle people around me would see oh he's got a hundred pound in that machine or he's doing a hundred pound bets he's mad or whatever but when i went online as i said yeah i got paid a six grand bonus one day and put a five and a half grand spin straight on roulette but i chased that bonus for months in order to because that's what i wanted to do people around me who were earning the same money were like or we're going to, you know, put in a separate business, or we're getting a bathroom done in the house, or I was just saying, no, the reason I want this money is so that I can put the spin on and just sit there and, and watch, like, again, feed the ego, just watch that amount of money go around a ball around a table. And, and I think out of that six and a half grand, that's been, it only got me back, like, 500 quid. You know, so straight away, within seconds, that money was gone. And I had to just walk back into where I worked, like nothing had ever happened. Um, and it's, I was quite good doing that. It's, it's crazy, the, the online stuff. Um, so I sold, no, no, so this is when I've had a good job, had good money, had people pay me rent, and I went from being debt free in May 2016 to July having to call in the debtors because I couldn't pay my bills. Yeah. And that was online gambling. So that's when I was depressed in the evenings, highs are tight, yeah. um, depressed about everything going on. And I was just using gambling as a as a release. But because I was high, I was up all night. And then the concentration on the gambling machine online just isn't there. And it's just always putting on 200, 300 pound bets. And it's really dangerous how quickly you lose that money. I mean, I must have lost thousands of pounds in the space of about, Minute. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's so, so easy. As you say, you can, you know, you can, whatever sport, uh, uh, you know, and I'm, I've, I've tried to explain that to people, you know, whatever sport you're into, whatever that you can go and 200, 200, 200, 200, and then a couple of roulette spins and you look and you're like three grand down. Um, it's just so, so easy. And I think, you know, as well, because it's not actual cash in hand, it's just, it's just figures on a screen. Um, it's just virtual and, and, and then you don't I think that's where I learned maybe to, to devalue money you know money didn't have any value because it just I just I almost used it as if it was like credit you know that you were yeah. you know for every pound you had was worth a penny like it, it just it didn't mean anything to me in the end and it's just it's something now that you know looking back I have so much frustration about and so much um, is that know, yeah, well, I, I, you know, I can't blame anybody. I blame myself. I, I totally blame myself for what I did, um, the hurt that I caused people. Um, and I think that's maybe later where obviously the, the depression and stuff come in. But I think now I'm just so determined to be a, be an influence to make a change. Do you know, I think online gambling needs regulated in some way. Um, do you know, it's... it's if it brings me on to my question I was going to ask you, actually, is did any of your online accounts did any of the help centres as part of those companies contact you to say you've been betting out of normal, um, have you got a problem sort of thing? Because that's happened to me once, but then they kept taking more bets from me. So I didn't really see the point of them trying to vet anything because they still took all the money off me, even though they could see my betting yeah. had increased tenfold and I'd lost yeah. it all. Now, what, what happened to me was I had... What what I done when I and I've just been back and done it in the last week is went to all my um, people I opened up accounts with. And I think I counted there was thirteen of them. There's very few that I haven't opened an account with, from your most obscure to your most well known. But the only one that ever contacted me um, was was one of the really well known ones. And I think it was around the time where I had forty k sitting in the account and went obviously down to like 
virtually nothing, built it up a wee bit, then wiped it all out. And I got an email sort of to say, like, we've noticed that things are, aren't what they should be, and, and here's the, they give you, like, a strap line. But then the next day, and obviously I had no money, I was out, never placed a bet the rest of the day, I didn't have a, a single penny to my name, and I got a, I got a £100, like, free spin, casino spin. And now I look, obviously at the time I was buzzing, I was like, yeah, it's two weeks of pay now, yeah, how it is. I think I made some money out of it, but, you know, it was just... It was just so so frustrating when I looking back now that that was that was me at my most vulnerable, and and I was just you know these are huge companies these aren't these aren't you know like drug dealers or you know places that shouldn't be selling alcohol these are regulated companies who we just we who just seem to get away with with a lot and contribute to a lot of um, mental health issues that we see as as problem gamblers. Yeah. I, I think definitely now with all the AI that all these companies have, they can tell exactly how much money you have in your bank, how much you get paid, all your payday loans, they can do credit checks. There is enough things now that companies should be able to say, look, we're not going to let you gamble. I know they're trying to do more registered stuff, but I think my, I've still, I still hold a bit of resentment towards the lack of... Yeah, 100%. Um, but, but then again, I guess it is that whole self-control thing as well. But it is. Do you know what, I obviously 100%, you know, the buck stops for me. You know, at the end of the day, um, uh, I was the one that pressed confirm and placing all them bets. But, you know, and that's what I'm, I'm, I suppose the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing now or, or trying at least trying to do is that there needs to be something in place for, for problem gamblers. We need to, you know, have that support. Whilst we need to raise awareness, I think, at an early age and we need to try and, uh, educate our younger our younger people that are coming through, especially the ones now that are, you know, after my generation of that social media generation, you've got 11, 10 year olds walking around my iPhones have social media accounts who are watching football every day, seeing the advertisements, seeing absolutely everything. We need to we need to do more to support them and educate them around the dangers and that's why I you know that's why I've probably been so open and shared my story so openly on my own page because you know it is dark and, and some people don't like to hear it but um, I just feel it's something that has to be done that people can actually see that yeah you know you don't just have a, a gambling issue and it sort of fizzles out and everyone jumps in and supports you and you know I'm left financially destroyed for the next however many years it's going to be um, but mentally I was completely gambling made a little boy out of me it really did in the end at, at, at when I look back this time last year from, from really this time last year through to December um, there was days that rolled into days that I don't even I didn't even I didn't even know what day of the week it was I didn't want to know um, but I had it from everyone and that's why I think I've, I've, I've sort of called it the hidden illness as well because I think it is really hidden you know I think with with prolonged drug or alcohol abuse there's maybe more physical effects but I think with gambling, um, if you're a compulsive gambler, you're a compulsive liar. And it's like anything, if you if you keep practicing at it, you become good at it. So if you're a prolonged gambler for a period of time, you're going to become a good liar. You're going to become good at hiding things. You're going to become good at... at like I told that many lies to that many different people that even I, when I when I was telling the truth, had I asked myself, was this actually the truth? Because I just told that many lies. And but believe it or not, it's, it's the same for most addictions. It's that web of lies that you create, and that brings with it a whole headache as well because you're always having to backtrack on stuff you said. You, you never turn up for things. Oh, no. You're never really, you're never really present in any situation with anyone because yeah. your mind's always on this, that, and everything else that's uh, crumbling around you. Um, but like you said, it, it, it takes you to a really dark place in terms of all the impact of everything. Um, yeah. And that is the main thing by having these conversations, people can look at the videos and then they can relate because I think the real danger around gambling addiction is the long lasting effect of it. So yeah. I don't know what your financial situation is now, but just as an example, mine was I got into a load of uh, debt with nine different companies. There were loans secured against my house at the time. I was worried that my house was going to get sold. So I sold the house. Luckily, I still had enough money from that. But I then had to go into some full and final offers through Step Change, which are a charity organisation that helped yeah, yeah. me. Um, but it was the most stressful time. I had so many other things going wrong in my life that I had letters daily from all these debt companies. And it, the process was pretty horrible. 
um, is an added stress. But then the credit rating has been affected for five years because of it. Um, and I've only just got a credit check passed four years after it. Yeah. So it's long lasting. So oh, that's yeah, and I think that, that you know, that's the thing as well. It's It's not just a case of people jump in, they support you, and you get out the other side of it. You know, if you go as deep as what I did, um, you know, the thing for me as well is at twenty at twenty one, um, my girlfriend found out I was gambling. At that point, I was gambling really, really hard. So I'd, I'd amounted at this point close to a hundred k in debt, or uh, the amount that I'd lost at the forty k sitting in debt. So she she found this out, and it was almost like you know, close family knew about it, and it was like right, everyone wants obviously to help. So like, we're going to get you help. We're going to send you here, there, everywhere. I started GA, and for six months I was I was off a bet, um, and that was that was a twenty twenty two. I was off a bet then for six months, but deep down I, I didn't want to be. I was caught. I didn't complain. I was caught out. <laughs> I, I wasn't ready to complain. Um, so all that did that six months that I was off, all I was really doing was earning people's trust in order to to get you know, that inch in order to take a mile, as they would say, and, and really get back to it. Um, which did happen after six months. People start to trust you, get a little bit more cash. Um, what happened was she obviously took control of finances and, and, and bank accounts and different things like that. And so she could see what was going in and going out. But as a compulsive gambler, as I said before, as a compulsive liar, I was really good at it. I was also operating in the sales world so I could sell anything to anybody and convince them of anything so I was convincing people that I was cured I was telling family because I kept it really close knit I didn't want people to know um, so I had maybe uh, 10 people on the whole that really knew and I was telling that circle that in GA like after 6 months to say you're cured so I basically was almost setting myself up for 6 months so I was saying like, they say after 6 months that it just goes away that if you go religiously every week it goes away and you just have to sort of deal with the debt, but it's going to be okay. So after that six months, I'd convinced them that, well, you know, that they were starting to obviously trust me a little bit more. They could see I was on the right path or whatever and, and give me a little bit more money. Um, and all that was doing was was then I was able to, to start going back to the boogies um, and really starting that process up again. Um, and for, you know, sort of for 18 months from that 22 to, to I was turning then into 23 and a half was... I didn't have access to big money anymore because I couldn't get them payday loans. My credit rating had been ruined. Um, you know, I defaulted on 15 or 16 of them payday loans. The other 15 were just chasing me, as you said, letters every day. You know, I, I could, I probably needed a personal postman in the end because there was that many letters coming um, and still do to this day. But I sort of started going back gambling in the boogies for a five pound, 10 pound, just any time I get a little bit of cash. And it was almost then, See that same belief of like I can make this into a complete fortune. You know I can build it up. I don't need access. I've, I can prove now that I don't need access to that big pile of money that I used before. Um, so I started gambling small and 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 almost convinced myself that I was that was normal. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have gambled all that big money a year ago, but I've got a wee bit of help and I can gamble small and just be normal. And I went on for six months until June last year, and and it was then that it really you know the screw really turned. Um, and mentally it really, really started to affect me. You know, the anxiety kicked in, and the anxiety kicked in initially, and I became paranoid that people were going to tell that close-knit circle I was back gambling again, um, that they knew how much I gambled before, that they knew what money was in my account, they knew where I was at every time. It got to the point where I wouldn't go and sit um, in the barber, in the chair, in the barbers to get my hair cut. I used to get my hair cut every two weeks religiously didn't go for about 12, 13 weeks. It was just ridiculous because I, I was on of the honest belief that he knew everything and he could he could just click his fingers and tell everyone it would ruin everything for me. So that sort of started playing in my mind June, July, August and come September I was completely, I can look back now and say I was, I was in a really bad place. I was depressed, didn't want to leave the house, didn't want to get out of bed, had no drive, ambition, piled on a load of weight um, at one stage in 2019, I was 21 and a half stone. Being six foot one, I can carry it a little bit, but I was, I'm looking back, I was massive. I've only really started to try and slim down a little bit since I've been in recovery, but, uh, you know, massive comfort eating, again, huge amounts, 
um, of food I was consuming at night, uh, staying up late, couldn't sleep, couldn't get up in the morning, didn't want to get up, just became totally depressed, recluse from everyone. Um, friends, uh, stopped speaking to them probably a year or two before that. I um, was just totally totally on my own. But um, again, I couldn't tell anybody because I just felt that, you know, you've let everyone down by going back to it. And now you're going to look like so much of a card that you've come back and been like, I went back to it, but I mentally can't deal with it, you know. So I tried to deal with it myself. Um, got into October, the sort of the back end of October, um, and just started to think, like, you know what, I've just ruined so many people's lives. I've wasted so many opportunities that I had, and I need to get out of this. I can't do it anymore. Um, we just moved into the house that we moved into in October, so I sort of thought, right, got a decent house here, you know, girlfriend's going to be happy, uh, we've got a house, you know, she's going to be, be, she can stay in the house if she wants, do you know, I just, I started having crazy thoughts, like, I'm almost setting things up to go, do you know, got a nice back garden, so, like, when I'm not here, do you know, she'll have a back garden for the dogs and stuff to run about in, but, yeah, I almost prepared myself from the end of October through, um, through that period of November, just building myself up every day, and, right, that's me ready to go. During that time, I was I was still gambling every day. It was still that 5, 10, 15, 20, you know, a max maybe 100 quid a day. Still in the bookies at the same time. So, you know, I just couldn't control myself. It, it had controlled every aspect of my life. And it was almost as if I was I had just identified that and give up and give into it, give in the addiction. So once I got the back end of November, I, I said in my head, that, that's me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to commit suicide. I don't want to be here anymore. Um... And I got my pay at the end of the end of November, and for some reason I had a thought in my head: if I could hold on to this wage or the part of the wage that I actually get, I might be okay. I might be like normal. And within ten minutes, it was gone. So I was just like, right, that's it. So it was uh, like Tuesday, the first of December, I think. Um, took the day off work. I'd been working from home anyway, uh, quite a bit, staying out of the office. Couldn't couldn't go and see people in the office. Couldn't get the train into work. I just thought everyone was talking about me. I was convinced people were talking about me. Um, I took that day off work and went and seen family, who, again, I just ignored. You know, um, great-grandparents, went and seen them. Just almost as a as like a checklist. I was like, right, I've seen you, I've seen you, I've seen you. Um, they can say they've seen me, and, and that's that's almost it done. And, and I came back to, to the house. Uh, girlfriend was working late unusual she was working late so it was like perfect opportunity just to get this done get out of the way um went to jump into the van to to go to a remote forest about 20 miles from home and it all worked out it was going to be remote that nobody could find me for a prolonged period of time um sort of sort of almost like if it was going to be a slow process then at least i had time to get it you know done with so i went to jump in to head off six o'clock dark really really wet and cold night and um, I've got two. I've got two. We've got a couple of dogs, but I've got two that are, are outside mainly. I had them walk earlier on the day. That was another thing. It was on the checklist, like walk with dogs, but they never bark, never make any noise. And the dog started barking. I was getting into the van. I was like, why the dog barking? You, know, I just want to get away here. So I went to drive off, and he, he came to the gate and jumped up at the gate, and he never ever does it. I've never done it since. Still barking and barking. I was like, right. I tell you what, I'll bring, I'll bring them. So I chucked the dogs into the van, headed up got everything sorted it's like right that's me happy to go and and there was a blowing a real gale that night really wet really cold december's night and i just just thought came over to me it was like i can do this to myself i'm ready to go but i can't really leave the dogs up here you know like, they're going to be up here for the length of time that someone's going to really find me not going to find a way home from where we are like it's going to be they're going to start eating each other or something that's going to be that cold that just wouldn't be right so I thought, right, let's let's bring them home and see maybe can I get away later. So I brought them home. Girlfriend came in earlier than expected. And it was almost just within that instant that she walked through the door. Like I had to do for the previous six months when I was gambling, it was just act normal. Because she obviously couldn't know I was back gambling. You can't someone you don't just naturally just say, Oh, by the way, I was out there and I was gonna kill myself. So I just sort of clicked back into a way of, of normality. We sat down, we watched Netflix, we went to bed, um, I rolled over and didn't close my eyes all night. Got up the next morning, went into work, and at lunchtime was standing in the bookies at the one o'clock race. No one in there knew that the night before I was ready to, to kill myself. Um, 
what I had then in my own head been like, oh, maybe I was just being stupid last night. Life can be good. Life's life's pretty good. I'll, I'll just gamble every day. It's normal. And that was on the Wednesday. Thursday, same thing, in the boogies. I was just losing money. I, I was never winning at this point. Again, anything I won, I just lost it. So that was Wednesday, Thursday. I got the Friday then, and I was... I was sort of like, you know, maybe Tuesday meant something. I was trying to convince myself that, that life was good. I went for a walk on the Thursday night, and I, and I live a little bit out of town, but I'm I'm in a well-built-up area. And I went for a walk at night, and I remember walking back openly out loud saying, like, my life is good, my life is good, my life is good. I almost had to say it out loud to convince myself. And again, by the time I got home, I was like, right, Thursday night, life's good. Got Friday morning, went into the bookies. I had £15, had a £10 note and a £5 note. And I rolled the £5 note up and put it in my back pocket. And the reason I did that was because I hadn't really eaten all week. Like, even at home, and so I was making excuses up that it was too cold or it was too late for dinner and stuff. I didn't really eat. And I had no money at lunchtime because I'd gambled it all. So I thought, I'm going to get myself something to eat. We're going to, you know, start start off right here. Meanwhile, I'm in, I'm in the bookies watching the race. But went in, put a £10 on a horse. I, I, I don't think this thing even came out of the trap. So... I was like, right. And I found myself then at that point standing right near the bet slip for a fiver. That fiver that I had promised myself I wasn't going to use. And I just then had a completely out-of-body experience that I, I, can, I, can, I can't describe to anybody. I don't know how it happened, but I just started shaking. From head to toe, I just started like shaking. And people around me were, you, you could sort of see they were worrying, but I couldn't speak. I just started crying like uncontrollably, like wailing. You know, and this is a, a grown man at 23 standing in a bookies of 100 people just wailing out loud so somebody came over and was like you alright I couldn't even speak just shaking like mad the guy behind the counter came out and said look go get some air so I was like alright I'll go outside here managed to get outside in the city centre of Belfast on a Friday afternoon you know this is a couple of weeks before Christmas you got Christmas night outs and stuff happening like this feel good factor in the city and I was just wailing and I just thought I have to go like, this is me like I just have to go I can't, you know, I made a complete fool of myself. Like, at that point, just all the feelings of the last six or seven years of gambling, of hurt, you know, the hurt, the lies, I told people, everything just came flooding back. I just thought you've made a, you've been in complete embarrassment to anyone that's ever known you, all the, the people that you've, you know, treated badly, um, you know, all the friends that you've just let go, the ones that you, you told them you didn't need them, you know, all them thoughts come into your head. So I just thought, right, I'll go home, I'll just play normal tonight, tomorrow, and tomorrow night I'm going to go out and get stinkingly drunk, and I'm going to jump into my van, and I'm just going to drive somewhere, and pull it off the road, and hope that it does it for me. That way I can't, I can't pull out of it, I can't, once I turn that wheel, I, I, you know, I'm in the hand of the gods really, so went out that Saturday night, got ridiculously drunk, um, I think it was three times over the limit when I was actually breathalyzed, but Took the van off the road, through a fence, through a hedge, through another fence. Hit it. At this time, I didn't know. Um, I went a little bit. I think I either fell asleep or went unconscious, but I'd hit a tree and, and, and bounced across. And I just remember opening my eyes. Obviously, airbags had blown out, covered in smoke, in, the, in, in someone's front garden, on a country road, and I'm in someone's front garden, and their lights have just went on in their bedroom, and I can hear them screaming. And... The only feeling that I had was of pure embarrassment that I hadn't killed myself. I felt like I was, uh, you know, the only thought was in my head was how much of a a loser and how much of a card are you actually that you can't even take your own life. You've let gambling control you for six or seven years, become a compulsive liar, lost huge amounts of money, ruined your future, and you, you can't even kill yourself. Do you know what what sort of person or what sort of man does that make me that I can't I can't even kill myself? And obviously that night the police came and you know spent the night in a cell charged with drink driving, which is completely understandable. Woke up in a cell on a Sunday morning and the first thing I thought about when I woke up was, I wonder could I get a bet on today? And this is someone who, you know, it was almost like the drink had wore off and I was sore. I came out of it. I came out of the crash. I really don't know how. I had a, a, a chip the bone in my cheekbone. That was it. You know, that I had a cut, cut on my leg. So I came out of it come out of the, of the police station and I was like on a Sunday all the bookmakers are closed in Northern Ireland you know, we, we only operate one to six in retail and they, they close all the bookmakers 
So I couldn't get a bet on because I couldn't bet online, remember. So I was really like infuriated. So I went home to my family who, instead of being angry with the fact that I, I, was, I was drunk driving, were almost like thankful that I, that I was alive. They were thankful that I was still living because they had been out to the scene of the crash and seen it. So I got home and everyone's like hugging you and all. And I'm still thinking there was there was uh, Super Sunday was on the background. I was like, how could I get a bet on? This is someone who's just spent, you know, within the space of five days, trying to kill themselves twice. So then I just, I just like everyone's rallying around, like you know, we're gonna, we're, you know, you need to take it easy over the next couple of days. I was for going into work on Monday morning, just getting back into it, thinking right, I can back into work and get back into boogies tomorrow at lunchtime and continue that sort of ritual that was ongoing. But my family sort of were like, no, girlfriend was like, you can't go to work. You've just had a foot in a crash. Have you seen the scene? Blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> you're going to go to the doctors. You're going to get a, a couple of weeks off work anyway just to, to deal with it. Maybe it's just a shock. That's why you've, you're not hurt. So they got me sick line. I was off work for a couple of weeks. Um, so I wasn't working on the Monday. And then girlfriend says, look, I'm going to bring you out to the crash. You know, you need to get a couple of things out of the van. Obviously, we're going to have to get it out of the field. You know, everyone's rallying around and trying to support. And it was in a, it was on the corner of a real country road, so there's very little traffic. There's, you know, there's one house, and I, I went in myself. It was out their back garden, and there was nobody in the house at the time. Girlfriend's dead in the car, and I seen the van, and I was like, man, I'm so so lucky to be alive because there was a tree slam in the middle of the garden, and I, I hit the tree and slid back across, but the passenger side took the impact, so another six inches it, it would have hit me, but it completely smashed in that side, skidded across and into the fence. And at that very moment, again, like like the Friday having the outer body experience, like in the boogies with that bat, started wailing again. <laughs> Only this time instead of wailing and thinking I'm worthless, I just thought someone out there, somewhere, has given me, is trying to tell me that I have a second chance at life and a second chance to try and make something of my life, to try and be, have a positive influence, maybe on other people, but just saying, firstly, like, Jimmy, just go get yourself sorted. So I, I got back into the car, never said anything, went to the hospital, sat in the hospital for like eight or nine hours, got assessed by the doctors, and then came home and just, just told people that I had been back gambling, um, and slowly but surely over the next couple of days just revealed like where it had brought me in different things. And on the Tuesday, Wednesday morning of that week, I just got up and thought, right, that's me done. Um, I'm sick of it. And I, I described it in a video last night, but I had a feeling in my stomach for months and months at the end, uh, like a knotted feeling, like a really like you wake up and you just, like this panic, like you're just constantly panicking. And I was speaking to a, um, an ex-gambler a couple of days into recovery. And he said to me, you know, Jimmy, like the way you feel it was almost like, you. did you feel like you were sick of being sick? And it just, from that day onwards, it's always stayed with me. It's in every book I have, or laptop, work laptop, personal laptop, I have it saved. Because that's how I felt. And I never, ever want to feel like that again. Just, I was sick of being sick. Because I was, I was I just, this this addiction and, and gambling had overcome me. And, and I just then, from that Wednesday morning onwards, just jumped headfirst into recovery. GA, seven months recovery now. But on that morning, I remember looking at myself in the mirror and just saying, like, obviously, Probgam and I didn't, has only come about in the last week or so, but I was like, I'm going to get help for myself, firstly, but I'm going to go and help other people. I want to help other people. People need to be aware of what's going on out there. And yeah, for the last seven months, I've been, I've been just addicted to recovery, addicted to anything that's going to help me. Um... And, and my life has totally changed, has totally flipped upside down. What I do day to day is totally, totally different. You know, I committed so much time to gambling, to researching horses, all that stuff. And now I'm just addicted to, to recovery. And, and I would say I've probably found, I've, I've found the true meaning of life in the last six to seven months. I've got, all, you know, I've got a loving girlfriend. I've got an amazing home. I've got um, my dogs, which I adore. You know, I, I love being out in the garden. It's just stupid stuff. You know, if you'd have said to me seven months ago before that Saturday that I'm going to be out deadheading plants at 20 to 11 at night in the middle of June, you know, it's just completely ridiculous. But I love it. And it was stuff when I was gambling and you're an addict, you just can't love anything else. But that, that, that stuff that gives you the adrenaline, and whether that's drug abuse, alcohol abuse, 
and I'm sure you obviously know, but you just can't love anything else. You just can't get into anything else. And at the minute I've, I've tried so many different things, you know, I've tried things I never thought I would in life. <laughs> it comes to food, you know, everything, just having such a, an amazing life. And, and, you know, as I say, financially, I'll be impacted for the next whatever many years it is until, you know, some of the places still have to issue defaults and different things, and we'll kick off that process hopefully soon. But, you know, I, I'm, I'll never ever get the money back. The money doesn't bother me. It's 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 the time and the lies. That's what maybe gets me down at times. The money will never get me down because you can never get it back. It's the time that you wasted and the, the the places that you maybe didn't get to um, that really annoy me. But I don't look back anymore. I only look forward, um, and I'm I'm just fully focused on, you know, my life started on 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 December the seventh um, because I, for seven years I went missing. And I'm, I've started in the last couple of weeks just trying to hook up with friends that I maybe treated badly or, you know, I had this ego when I was younger and, and I was just sort of, sort of the, the man about town, if you like, I thought I was. And, you know, that's not who I am. It's not who I want to be. Um, it's what gambling led me to be. Um, and I just want to try and spread awareness, get the message out there, you know, and that's why I appreciate so much for, for inviting me on to this because, if if we can help one person through this, if one person contacts me and says, you know, you've made me ask questions or, or pops onto my page and watches some of the stories that are that are on there that I've been doing around, you know, breaking it right down to what is gambling. Some people don't even know that like buying a raffle ticket is potentially gambling. You, you know, and I look back, the younger kids coming through, they're gaming and you can you can jump on the game of FIFA and Ultimate Team and buy a hundred pound of packs and it's gone. You know, you've a hundred to one chance of getting a top rated player. So at, at, at from really any age, 8, 9, 10, 11, them kids are spending money hoping they get that 100 to 1 player. So what are they going to be like when they turn 18? Because that FIFA's only going to do it for so long. They're only going to go one place. So I just want to get the message out there. You know, I've had a second chance at life. Somebody somewhere is looking over me saying you've got a meaning and you've got a purpose. And I just want to try and fulfill that. Um, and as I say, I have an addictive personality. You know, I drive my girlfriend crazy because I do some crazy things. I was addicted to cycling for about two months there. Fell off and broke my arm. Um, I was addicted to running. Uh, ran a half marathon. Was going to run marathons. I've been addicted to buying grass seed and trying to grow the grass. <laughs> Some of the things I've been addicted to are crazy, but there's better things to be addicted to than, than what I was. Um, and anything sure. I do, I suppose, is a good thing. Anything I do, I'll give me absolute all to, which is um, which is what I'm trying to do through through my page. And, and, and yeah, just, I, I thank you for letting me on this because it's been it's been really enjoyable getting the story out there again. Yeah, and it's, it, uh, kudos to you for coming on and talking about it because suicide for men is not a thing that we generally talk about. But that is unfortunately why the majority of people that commit suicide are men because of that sort of societal pressure yeah. not to admit that we've had issues. And I think it's a big point to raise as well that you said the second time round when you started gambling again, in your own head is where your thoughts were and you weren't asking for help again because you'd already gone through that process and it makes yeah. it worse in, in your own mind but I think this is the important point by doing these videos is for people to think actually look this is potentially the road that I'm going to go down um, I do need to ask for help yeah. because trust me asking for help before you lose everything or you commit suicide is a lot better like drop all the mail bravado, your own thoughts in your head. Just reach out to someone, whether it's me, you, or uh, one of the gambling companies or anything. Hundred um, percent. I think as well, you know, society as 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 the way it's set up now. As you say that male bravado, not wanting to speak out. You know, and, and I completely get that, and I get that that we have the mental health awareness weeks, and the big companies back it, and they talk about you know it's good to talk. I said last night, it's so so hard to talk when you're actually in that position in your life where you feel the walls are closing in around you, there's only one way out they they make it sound like it's so easy to talk and having been there it is so so hard but you know it, it will save your life it will, the people around you you know whether you're a gambling addict and you're worried about the amount of money that you've blown or the amount of money that, that you're going to tell somebody you just think I can't tell anybody, I can't ask for help because the amount of money I've lost I guarantee you if you go to that person six months down the line and you say right I'm either dead or we've lost £100, £1,000, £10,000, whatever it may be, they'll be a lot more thankful that you're still there. And, and that's, that's just that's the way I look at it now. Um, and even if you are an addict, like I was, and uh, you know people try to help me, if you're out there and you've, you've been in the process of recovery 
and you've dropped out, you know, don't feel like you're, it doesn't make you a bad person because you you haven't succeeded first time. You know, you didn't jump on your bike without stabilizers the first time. You, you fell off a couple of times. That's what happens. It's life. It's natural to do that. And we've got to, we've got to normalize that in society as well, that we can't just expect things to be, to be bang on the first time, that we, everything, we just be successful. That, that doesn't happen. It can't happen. So if you fall off... So, Jamie, we've only got eight seconds remaining. So <laughs> right, I'm just going to leave it there, but we'll definitely jump on another call soon.